Thank you, Father. Isn't God good? Man, you know, we're that, we're that generation that's that Joshua generation where, you know, Moses went into the tent of meeting and the Bible says that, you know, the, the glory cloud would come over the tent of meeting whenever he was in there to meet with the Lord. God would come in that glory cloud and be there and Joshua was there with him because he was Moses' attendant. And uh, God would give instruction to Moses and And he would go out and give that instruction to the people. But Joshua stayed in the tent. And he needed to stay in the tent. Because he needed to be very familiar with God's presence for the transition that was going to take. However many years later, when Moses' time had finished as leader and Joshua was going to take over and lead the children of Israel into the promised land. We can't lead without presence. We've got to have presence. We've got to be in his presence. And God created you to be filled with and overflowed with his presence. Can you say amen? Amen. And we will always be hungry and we will always be thirsty until we find that satisfaction of being filled with and overflowing with his presence. (laughs) And if we get depleted, we know where to go. There's no other place to go. We don't go down to Joe's bar, right? No. We come into Joel's bar. It was this little joke from uh, Charismatics, you know, talk about getting into Joel's, you know, the Spirit of God coming upon you. It's all right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> I'll stick with the dad joke. Sorry. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we've been... Uh, we started a, a series last week called Koinonia, and it's a study uh, that we're doing on the book of 1 John, and we did chapter 1 last week, and we're going to continue on here today with a portion of chapter 2, and uh, you know, Koinonia in, in the scripture, it is such a deep, intimate word, because Koinonia is the deepest connection that you can ever have. And it comes with that connection with God first. And then through that connection with God, being able to have the deepest connection we could have with other human beings is that that connection together with God. Some of my best friendships, my deepest, most intimate friendships have come out of places where I had spent so much time in God's presence together with those people experiencing God together. And they're still so very, still so very close to them. Even some of them that I haven't even seen for years, maybe even haven't spoken to for a quite some time. The moment we talk, the moment we see each other, there is that deep sense of koinonia because we have experienced God together. And there's an anointing that all of us can, can experience on our own with the Lord. You have an anointing. You have an unction of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? But there's an anointing that we can, we can gain from him together that he places upon our lives. But then there's that anointing that, that it doesn't come outside of fellowshipping, not only with God, but fellowshipping with other believers together with God. 
I'm not talking about other believers getting together and playing cards or watching movies. And not that that's not okay. I'm talking about getting together and really spending time together seeking God. You know, when I first came to the Lord uh, uh, in the church that we came from, at that time it was Freedom Tabernacle. And uh, we, we just had those, th- those, that's how those relationships were built, whether in the church or in the home. We would, we would spend time together. There's usually food involved. Come on. I mean, food just, just breathes fellowship. I mean, you just get around some good food. But we would, we would have supper together, whatever, a, a lunch, whatever time of the day it was that we would get together. And, you know, didn't have a lot of people that would, you know, play music, whatever. We would just have an album that we all loved, turn that album on, and get on our faces before God and just worship. And sometimes whenever we just felt like worship wasn't over, we'd put rewind on that album. Play it again. Do it again, Lord. And just crying out. And hours could go by. And you don't even care. Why? Because you're getting filled up with his presence. You are literally fellowshipping together with God. That's the importance of koinonia. That's, we need it so bad in our time. We need it for what we're walking through now. We need it for what we're going to be walking into and walking through together. The relationship that we have with God is an is a independent relationship, you know, us individually, but it's also an interdependent relationship because you can't truly fulfill all that God has called you to do just by yourself. You have to connect with his body at large in order to fulfill every single one of us. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So last week we started uh, this teaching, really going in, the, the title of the message last week was The Message of Fellowship, and, and really just, you know, John, the apostle, talking about how important fellowship was. And I want to go through the word koinonia one more time, uh, what the actual word means. It means this. It means fellowship. It means association, community. We need community. Communion, where we're partaking together. Joint participation. There's, there's parts that you play, there's parts that I play, there's parts that God plays. Where it's, a, it's a joint participation. Yet it has that word there, it says intercourse, but it's not a physical thing, it's a spiritual thing. You know, in the physical, um, you know, intercourse with my wife, you know, when we come together, that is the most deepest that we can really get together physically. This is in a spiritual sense. It's such a deep fellowship that it's really a spiritual connection on a deep level. It's to be a sharer, a partaker, a companion, a partner. And God God don't want to just use you. He's not just to use us. He wants to partner with us. Can you say amen? He wants to partner in that fellowship. That's why some some things that, that are in your life that you haven't seen God do yet is because he's already doing his part. He needs your joint participation so that you can work with and get what he has for you. Can you say amen? We're not, we, we're not a church that believes if God wants it to happen, it's going to happen. Que sera, sera. We know that we have a part to play in what God is doing. And we get in his presence and we hear what he's saying and we receive his instructions just like Jesus had to. He was our example. He got along with the Father. He saw what the Father was doing. He heard what the Father was saying. And he went out and did what the Father was doing and saying what the Father was saying. And then the Father, through the Holy Spirit, 
confirm the words that he spoke. It's the same thing for us. Can you say amen? That's why we need that, we need that connection. So last week as we were going through that, um, you know, going into really finding out that in order to fellowship, you know, uh, or really to get into that fellowship, we have to step out of darkness. Stop fellowshipping with darkness and start fellowshipping in the light. Because if we're Christians, we were taken and transferred from the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of the Father's beloved Son, Jesus Christ, which is a kingdom of light. Can you say amen? So that's kind of a doorway into fellowshipping with him is to realize that you know, every one of us have, 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 has had darkness in our lives. Number one, there's sin in our lives. Number two, there's a sin nature. And the only way to get rid of the sin nature is to receive the new nature that Jesus Christ wants to give you through his death and resurrection. Can you say amen? Then the dead spirit that we all were born with is resurrected or brought, you know, as the Holy Spirit comes and dwells on the inside of us, he, he causes us to come alive in him. Man, that's something to get excited about. And we get transferred into his kingdom. Then there's that purity, you know, because we have to really be able to uh, acknowledge and confess that we have sin, a, a sin nature. If we're not saved, we have a sin nature. And even after we're saved, we still have to struggle with this sin nature. We're no longer bound to the sin nature. Can someone say amen? You know, we, we were born with a sinful nature, but whenever he comes and we got the nature of God on the inside of us, we're no longer bound by that sin nature, but he gives us the ability to be able to now, when we would have to just do what our, our own sinful nature wanted to do, now we have a choice. No, I'm going to follow you. Where do we follow him? We follow him in the light. Can you say amen? And so we, coming into that fellowship, we acknowledge that we have sin. We acknowledge that we do sin. And that brings us up to right now where we're at in the second chapter of 1 John. And that for the next couple of weeks, we're really going to talk about staying in fellowship because God don't just want us to get into fellowship. He wants us to stay in the fellowship. So John really talks about some awesome things on how to stay in fellowship with him because of the benefits of staying in fellowship with him. Can you say amen? So if you got your Bibles, you can turn to 1 John chapter 2. We'll go through half of 1 John today and finish the rest next week with uh, 2 John. He says this in the verse number one. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. Let's stop there for a moment. Man, this is so good. What Jesus has done is not just for us. It's for the whole world. I mean, you've heard that God is more than enough, right? He's got more than enough to satisfy and fill you up. He's got enough to satisfy and fulfill the whole world if we would all turn to him. And he don't run dry. Thank you, Jesus. So here, we're coming from last week's chapter one, talking about, you know, uh, that we have a sin nature and that we, we do sometimes, you know, slip up and, and we, we uh, make choices that, you know, that are sin. But we have an advocate with the Father. He said, I'm writing these things to you so that you don't sin. You don't have to sin. But if you do, 
what did he say here? He says, we have an advocate. If anyone sins, we have an advocate, a helper, someone to go. This is really a, a legal term that someone goes to the judge on your behalf pleading for you and fighting for your case. That's Jesus. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who himself is the propitiation. This is a very important word. Important word. Try to say it with me. Propitiation. What the heck is that? Why can't you just use some regular term? I tried to find, you know, I, other translations, you know, kind of bring it in, but I like this word because you have to get the definition of this word to be able to understand what it truly means. Some other translation, you know, choose a different word, and it kind of almost, in a sense, not to say it's a bad translation, but it could water it down. It's like, oh, okay, he's the, he's the sacrifice. Well, it goes more than just he's the sacrifice for our sins. He is the only satisfying sacrifice that can pay for the guilt of our sins. That's propitiation. He is the propitiation of our sins. He is the requirement. He's the only one that could fill, fulfill the requirement to save us from our sins, given by the Father, the true judge of all the world. He himself, and not just for us, <laughs> but for the whole world. He's the only one. Praise the Lord. So then we move on here. He says in verse number three, by this we know that we have come to know him. Talking about knowing him. By this we know that we have fellowship with him. We have that koinonia. We're sharing with him. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Those who say, the one who says, I have come to know him or I have fellowship with God, and does not keep his commandments is a liar. Man, I, mean, I think John was a boxer because he just comes in, <laughs> gut shots, right? He's like, if you say that you have fellowship with God, you say you have fellowship with him, you say that you know him, and yet you do not keep his commandments, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. But whoever keeps his word, same word there, his commandments, his word, in him, the love of God has truly been perfected or mature or coming to maturity. Amen? So here we are. John uses this a lot in, his, in, in this letter that he writes out. If someone says this but's not doing this. See, there's a, there's a whole theme that happens here about practicing. Remember last week you talked about people practicing the darkness. He wants us to practice the light. Every one of us are practicing Christians if Jesus Christ is on the inside. We haven't arrived yet, but we are practicing until he comes and clothes us with the fullness that he has for us. Can you say Amen. So he says, by this, we know, by, by this we know that we have come to know him or have fellowship with him when we keep his commandments. Now Jesus said this, and, and John recorded this in, in the gospel of John, the same John. Jesus said this in verse number, or chapter 14, verse number 15. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now there is a proof here inside that statement, but the proof is not by keeping my commandments, you know, it shows that you love me. It doesn't mean that. He's saying, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's not, okay, well, I'm trying to keep your commandments. I'm trying to, it's not a work-based thing. I'm doing this, I'm doing this. Doesn't it prove my love for you? 
No, it's really this way if you look at it. He's saying, if you will love me, if you will fall in love with me, if you will desire that fellowship with me, it will help you to keep my commandments. See, we go the other way. If I just just work base, if I just do this, I'll prove my love. Don't I love you? He's the one that tells us if we love him or not, according to his standards. And all we have to do is just, we, we just want to fellowship with him. We just want to be there with him, abide with him, stay connected with him. Because there's privileges there. There's, there's empowerment there. Keeping God's commandments is not the proof of your love, but the power of your love. Keeping God's commandments is not the proof of your love. It is the, the power of your love. When you love him, it empowers you to keep his commandments. <laughs> Isn't that good? Verse number four, or number five, he goes on to say, by this we know, here it is again, we're talking about that fellowship. By this we know we are in him. Before he was saying, by this we know that we have come to know him. Now he's saying, by this we know that we are in him, in Christ. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner that he walked. See, we go from saying to walking here. We're not just, we don't just want to talk the talk, we want to walk the walk. Amen? And it's loving on him, being in fellowship with him that empowers us to be able to walk with him. Look at the word abide. This is important because he said, those who say he abides in him ought to himself walk in the same manner that he, Jesus, walked. Abide means this, to stay, to stay in a given place, a state or a relation, to continue, to be present in, to remain, to endure, and to expect. The one who says he abides in me ought to himself walk in the same manner that he walked. What did he walk? What was his walk? What was Jesus' walk? It was a love walk, for sure. It was a love walk. Look what John says. John says this in his gospel, chapter 15. Just as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy, Jesus' joy, may be in us and that your joy may be made full. Remember last week we talked about John was saying, I'm writing these things to you so that you know that our fellowship is with, with the Father and with the Son so that your joy may be made complete. Here Jesus is saying the same thing. I write these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made complete full. Loving God empowers you to keep his commandments. But look at this. Keeping his commandments enables you to abide in his love. All goes back to that love. 
that fellowship with him. By loving God, it empowers me to keep his commandments, whatever he's asking me to do, because it's out of that love relationship with him that he's giving me the grace. When he asks us to do things, at the same time that he asks us to do things, whatever obedience he is asking from us, he empowers you right then with the asking to do whatever he asks you to do. But if you are not in a love relationship with him, you will misunderstand that and try to do it in your own effort effort and still be unsatisfied. Come on now. So loving God empowers you to keep his commandments, but keeping his commandments, when you're keeping his commandments out of that love relationship, it enables you to abide in his love, to stay in that place. See, it's just just rotating. I'm loving on him. He empowers me. I'm going to do what he says to do. By doing what he says to do, it keeps me in that love relationship that he desires for me and you. I mean, God really does know what he's doing. All we have to do is obey, right? So we're talking about that koinonia, that fellowship. Koinonia transforms his commandments from from being rules that you have to follow into a relationship you love to live. That koinonia fellowship, coming together with him, loving on him, being loved by him, it it causes his commandments to go from being rules that you have to follow into a love relationship that you love and long to live. Man, you got people that you're just so deeply connected with, you know, whether they're family, whether they're friends, or whether they're both, they're they're such good friends, they're just like family, that you just love being with them. You can't wait whenever, it's like, you know, you've been there where it comes time to say goodbye. Maybe they got to go away. Maybe they live in a different city or something like that. And you're just sad on the inside. Why? Because you don't want the fellowship to stop. That's the way it is. We come into God's presence. We're there with him. It's so rich. It's so satisfying. It is exactly everything that we always need. And when we have to step out of that presence to go about our everyday lives and do things, it's not that we, we forget about him. It's like, but those undisturbed moments, I cannot wait to get back to those undisturbed moments with you. Whether it's early in the morning, early at night, just after dinner time, whatever it is, you want to get in fellowship with God. Hallelujah. So if I was to leave you with a couple points, the first one would be this. Loving God and his word keeps you in fellowship with him. Loving God, which empowers you, you're loving his word. I love his, I love God's word. I love God's word. His word is so powerful. It's so beautiful to me. I lo- it, 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 it has helped me so much in my life running to his word. He, he is my, my refuge. He's my stronghold. And sometimes we forget when we're walking through things. Sometimes the weight gets so heavy. But when we thank the Lord and his goodness and his kindness. He helps us to come to our senses. And what do we do? We run back to his word. Run back to his promises. We run back to who he is. And allow him to minister to us. Can you say amen? So then John goes on. He says in verse number seven, he says this. Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. And this kind of goes twofold. Number one, it's the same command that was given from God way back in the beginning. And it's the same thing that these believers heard when Jesus was preached to them. 
So he says, I'm writing a new commandment to, or I, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you've had from the beginning. The old commandment is a word you've heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Now, What's going on with John? I'm not writing an old, an old commandment to you. I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old one. But on the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you. What the heck is going on? I, had, I remember a leader asked me this way back in the day. It's like, what is he talking about? It's not an old commandment. It is a new commandment. What is it? You know what it is? It's both. He's reviving an old commandment that was spoken from before. And now it is really, this commandment has really come to life in Jesus Christ. Christ because of his revelation. This word new actually means this, renewed or fresh. So this new commandment is the old one, renewed and made complete in Christ. And it really comes down to that law of love. All the commandments, if you look at all the commandments in the Old Testament, they're all summed up. Paul summed them up. Jesus summed them up in two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Paul went as far to say they can all be summed up in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because if you don't love your neighbor as yourself, you don't love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you can't, I think, who was it? I think it was uh, James or Peter, one of them, one of them good guys. They said, if you can't love God uh, who you can't see, if you can't love your neighbor who you can see, you can't love God whom you cannot see right now. Can you say amen? So, Again, John records this, Jesus speaking in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse number 34. He says, a new commandment I am giving to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, that you also love one another. I want you to love one another the same way that I have loved you. This is the Gospel, really, in a nutshell. Whatever Jesus has done for us, that's what we do for others. Amen. The way he loves, he's our example, and how he's revealed himself to us. We've got that revelation, that empowerment to be able to love other people in that same way. And if you take it back to the old, thinking about the old, old commandment, which is the same thing, it really came from Leviticus chapter 19, and he says this, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against any one among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. That's his way to saying, period. <laughs> I am the Lord. The only way that, that you can love your neighbor as yourself is to keep yourself renewed in the love of God in Christ Jesus. Don't we already know that God delights in making old things new? Amen. He loves reviving things. So, but there's this you know, this fellowship is really, it's, it's kind of a, a, a test of the new life because we can't just say, you know, that we love God or we just love our neighbor. We have to prove that we love our neighbor by the actions that we take out of this love relationship. Remember, it's, it's that fellowship with him that's empowering us to love others. And if we have trouble, if we're struggling with loving someone, we need to get back into this place so that we can see how well he has loved us. It always comes back to our relationship with him. One of the things that's helped me the most, especially for forgiving people, and Natasha still, you know, she's like, you just forgive so easily. And I said, it's because I have such a revelation of what I have been forgiven from. 
I know what I did in my previous life. I know the sinful person that I was. I know the kindness of, the God, of God towards me. So when someone hurts me, I'm reminded of, of those times in my past whenever I had hurt God the Father, and that grieves me. I don't want to. I mean, it's not like you stand in that, in that place, but it gives me empathy to be able to forgive them because just as I didn't know what I was doing in my ignorance without God, they don't know what they're doing. Sometimes, even as Christians, as we're walking out our sanctification, becoming more like him, we slip up, we say things, we do things we ought not to do. And we have to be able to ask for forgiveness, but we also got to be able to give forgiveness. Amen? The scripture that helped me out the most was in Ephesians chapter 4, last verse of chapter 4. Just as, you know, for, be kind and tenderhearted to one another, love one another, forgive one another, even as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. That scripture changed my life. That was the, the rotating point for me to be able to forgive. But here's that, that new life is tested. His life is living on the inside of us. He's asking us to, to walk in this law of love. And he goes on in verse number nine in 1 John 2. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. So obviously, you know, gosh, if we can't love our Christian brothers and sisters, do we really love those who don't know God? I mean, we're more polite to strangers and people that we don't know than we are to our own family. Can you say amen? It, it, come on, I mean, of course, we spend a lot more time with our own family, with our, you know, our own brothers and sisters in the Lord and our own family. They see the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything else that you can't even put into words. They see it all. But we're, we're to be tenderhearted, caring for one another. He says, the one who says, I'm in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. This is, a, I mean, this is a, would be an awesome teaching in and of itself. When you see words like the, this small little article, the, the light, it's referring to not just a light, it's referring to the light of God. The light, not a light, not a resemblance of this or that. No, the actual light. God is light, remember? And in him, there is no darkness at all. So the one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother, he is in the darkness. What is this the darkness? The darkness which is absent of God. God is not in the darkness because he is light and there is no darkness in him at all. We're functioning or practicing the darkness. Those who love, the, the one who loves his brother abides, there's that word abide again, abides in the light and there is no cause of stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I don't know if you have hatred or bitterness or animosity towards any other believer, brother and sister in the Lord this morning, but if you do, right now this message is the gospel of light that's giving you a doorway of opportunity to step out of that darkness, to let that bitterness go, to let that resentment go, to let that animosity, whatever it is, 
and step into the light. And don't just say you're in the light and practice hatred towards a brother or a sister. But step out of that darkness and get into the light. There's an opportunity today for that. It's just a step. I know it seems so hard. And, and you, won't, you won't feel the relief of all of it until you take that act of obedience. You don't have to feel obedience. You have to act upon obedience. Obedience is not determined by what you feel. If I'm in a love relationship with him, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, when he asks me things to do and not everything he asks us to do seems to be pleasurable. That's a good place to say amen because it's true. Because he's always causing us to step out of our own plans and purposes, out of our own desires, away from our own sinful nature in this flesh that wants to do its own thing. Remember, you're born again in your spirit, not in your soul. Not in your flesh. One day, our flesh will be covered in his glory. We won't have trouble like that anymore. But right now, we do. That's why it's important to stay in fellowship with him in your spirit so that your soul and your body are in subjection to obedience to your spirit and his spirit working together. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So what is he talking about? He's talking about, man, if we're walking in darkness, uh, he says, the one who walks in darkness... um, does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. We're at a place right now, I do not want to go around in circles. I don't want to grope in the darkness, do you? I want to be in the light and know exactly where God has us and where he wants us to go. And we can do that, whether it's in uh, actual, the darkness of night that comes every single day, we can still walk. No matter how dark the earth gets, we can still shine bright. When darkness came upon the, 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 uh, the Egyptians, it was still bright in the land of Goshen. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So here's this word, hate. This is the word that John's talking about. It's mizio. It means this, to detest. And to detest so much is to the point of persecution. You know, we have brothers and sisters persecuting each other in our own camps. What is going on? There's a mixture of light and darkness. It means to detest. It means to love less. Really, to pursue with hatred instead of pursuing with love. It's really to have unjustifiable feelings towards others. As a Christian, it's unjustifiable for you to have hatred towards another brother or sister. It's unjustifiable in God's eyes. There is no, there, there, uh, as, a, as a believer, all hatred towards another person is unjustifiable in God's eyes, period. Why? Because of what he's done for you in Christ. You, you know that you know whenever the, the story of a uh, uh, parable that Jesus spoke about the king that had people that had accounts towards him and he was going to settle his accounts and someone you know owed him equivalent it was like a million or so dollars and and, and, and he was going to throw him he couldn't pay going to throw him in jail and he says until you can pay it all well how much can I pay it if I can't work I don't know it's not my problem but you got to pay it back he said he fell on his knees and he pleaded please have mercy on me just give me more time and I will play everything that I have and the king felt compassion for him and he forgave him everything. And that servant went right out to another servant who owed him an equivalent like $100 and told him to pay him back, and he couldn't. He fell on his knees asking for mercy and saying, give me time, and I will pay it all. But he refused. And he threw that man into prison with his wife and children until they could pay everything back. The king heard it and took back. He gave that guy back his debt 
said, you could, I forgave you all of this and you can't do this. Listen, he forgave us for all of our sin. All we have to do is forgive someone for a little sin, whatever it is. Something small compared to our whole nature. Something so small. So number two, walking in love towards others keeps you in fellowship with God. Last thing, John chapter 2, verse number 12. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you for His name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know Him who has been from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. And he kind of repeats it again here. I have written to you, children, because you know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one, really, We've overcome the evil one through our koinonia fellowship, relationship, participation, with joint participation with and in Christ Jesus. Now, these aren't just ages. They're really stages. As you look at this, he's talking to really three different stages. The children... Um, you know, it could be those, those that are, who are new to faith. And when you're new the, to faith, what's the first thing you, we need to learn? Who He is. We need to learn who He is. Our identity, or, or who He is, His identity. When you get to the young men, that's those who are fighting the fight of faith. We're, we're really, you know, we've come to know Him. We're coming to know who He is there. Now, now we're walking those things out. We're becoming to really know who we are in Him who we are in him. And there's a battle to place. Don't you know that there's a battle when you're coming to know who you are in Christ because the devil don't want you to know who you are in Christ. Go ahead, know, know who God is, but knowing who you are is walking, really walking out who you know he is. Can you say amen? And then we have the fathers. Those, that's those who are reproducing their faith or really raising children of faith. And that has to do with what he has called every single one of us to do, which is to multiply. We come to Christ as babes. We're learning who he is. As we learn who he is, it helps us to understand who we are. We begin to fight the fight of faith with who we are in Christ and what he has called us to do and given us the ability to be able to do. And as we're fighting the fight of faith, we begin to overcome the enemy. We're overcoming the enemy through our faith in him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And then we get to that next level. Now that we're, we're fighting the fight of faith, we're seasoned warriors in the kingdom of God. Now we see this more than just fighting. We're not just going out into battle to fight, fight, fight. We fight to gain ground for the kingdom of God, but then we have to reproduce in the next generation so that they can come to know who he is, so that they can know who they are, so that they can train up others to do what they've been called to do. Can you say amen? So, they're not ages, they're stages. You know, there are deeper, deeper levels of fellowship for each one of us. There's deeper levels. And some of those things we can do together, we can go together. Some of those things we do, literally, even if we are together as a group and praying together with people and stuff like that, there's still an element where it's just you and the Lord walking out your faith together. Come on now. 
People can't take a step for you. You have to take the step. You can't, you know, it's like we were talking about at our B group, you know, the, the kingdom of God is not pushed forward, it's advanced forward. It, it advances. You don't push it, you advance it. And you advance it by faith, by taking those acts of obedience towards him. It advances the kingdom of God. So the last point is growing in your fellowship with God keeps you in fellowship with him. Growing in your fellowship with God keeps you in fellowship with him. Hallelujah. Would you stand up this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father.